thank you for a huge year on the Words and Nerds podcast. In 2021, the podcast had more than 250 conversations with authors, publishers, agents, booksellers, podcasters, and other amazing bookish people in approximately 200 episodes. There are three spin-offs, Ben Hobson's Burgers, Beers and Books, Josie Layton's A Different Page, and Nathan J. Phillips's The Regular Takeover. We had 22 takeover guests and growing, a summer series takeover, a NaNoWriMo series, crossovers, and the incredibly popular Publishing Insider series. The podcast appeared at literary festivals. We hosted live streams at bookshops for book launches, including the much-loved Four Continents for Critics. This holiday series is all about you, the listeners. Enjoy the most listened-to episodes of 2021 to get you through the holiday period. Stay safe and read more books. Hello, welcome back to Burgers, Beers and Books, or Books, Beers and Burgers, or Beers, Burgers, Books and Beers. My name is Ben Hobson, and I'm here to interview your favourite authors about their favourite books. I had a chat, a wonderful chat with a man named R.W.R. McDonald or Rob McDonald this week. I really enjoyed our chat. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Um, We chatted about a book that is incredibly important to Rob, Um, not to spoil anything, but it might be even in the title of some of his books. Uh, So his two books are The Nancy's and Nancy Business and I think Nancy Business just came out just a month ago, so definitely recommend you go and have a read of those. But we ended up actually talking about the impact of books and being, you know, living in a family and being creative. It was a lovely chat, and um, I really appreciate it, Rob, and his time. So, uh, as always, please make sure that you get in contact with us on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere, um, Words and Nerds Podcast especially, um, as we are part of the Words and Nerds Podcast Network. Um, but get in touch, let us know if you're following the series, if you're reading any of the books, um, and what you think, what you think about what we've said here. As um, The whole vibe with this is to have a conversation, and yes, it's just between myself and an author, but I also want to involve the community, so let's have conversations. Um, so many of us in Australia are experiencing lockdown and things of that nature, so it's really good to have chats about the things that we love, like books, so... Please get in contact with us and um, let us know your thoughts. But anyway, here's our chat with Rob. Um, hello, Rob McDonald, RWR McDonald. Welcome to Books, Beers and Burgers, Burgers, Beers and Books. Hello, welcome. Hello. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, my pleasure. So this is a, a big moment because it's the first time I've actually coordinated myself well enough to have an actual burger while we discuss things. Um, I had a I had a question about my burger to you yes. because I constructed this my own burger. Oh right. So are you are you a coleslaw man on your burgers? Do you eat burgers? Uh, yes, I'm pretty minimal. Like I like the patty. I like gherkins or pickles mm. and cheese. Yep. And because I'm from New Zealand, you know, sometimes the odd bit of beetroot and um, yes, and even pineapple ring. If, I'm going, like, if you're going full out, like at a fish and chip shop, you know, one of those I agree. burgers. Yeah. A good one of those big burgers you can barely hold on to because it just slops everywhere. Yeah, it goes pineapple everywhere. and grated yeah. carrot on those burgers. Um, what about yourself? What have you got in there? It's coleslaw and pickles, cheese in the patty. Um, now, I've added a little, I've started to add something to my coleslaw, a little sriracha. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cock into the mayo. It's pretty good. It's a bit, bit of, bit of spice. Very nice. This is an audio podcast. Unfortunately, the viewers can't see it, but I'm showing Rob. Um, Rob actually sent me a copy of his book, um, and I'll, I'll say the, the book because I want to get into it. But it is the very first uh, Nancy Drew mystery. Um, it's called The Secret of the Old Clock. And this copy, I'm trying to be very careful because I've got burger grease on my fingers. <laughs> um, Rob sent me this beautiful copy of this book. Is it near first edition? Like, I remember you talking to me about it, but it's not actual first edition, right? No. So it is, um, so this is before, so it's a, uh, for the reader's, Playing along at home, it's um, hardcover. It's actually missing its dust cover, and and so is yours, um, Ben. Right. The turquoise one with um, Nancy Drew bending over with her, a silhouette of Nancy Drew bending over with her magnifying glass. Yeah, very reminiscent of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. And so what this is, though, this is the edition um, which up until... So the books first came out in 1930, three, three, uh, three, three stories together, and yeah. that's how they started off the series. Yeah. And they were revised in 1956. Yeah. So this is the edition before it got revised. Warts and all, and it's really different from uh, the Nancy Drew of later years. She gets Sorry. more polished and... Um, Really? Because I so I read the one that's actually the original. Is that what you're saying to me, or is this the that, new? Yeah. So this is the unrevised. Um, so this was wow. yeah. This is how it was for from 1930 to 1956. So I think my copy is. I saw it today. I think it was like yeah. So this is 1954. So this is two years before. Nancy changed and was revised. Wow. So her age, she becomes, in this, she's 16. Yeah. And, and then revised ones, she's 18. Um, obviously, they they fixed up a lot of the problematic um, uh, stereotypes and racism and yeah. slang and tried to update it. Um, but what yeah. I like about this, obviously, I don't like I was going to say, but what I like about this Nancy is she's quite, she's messy, right? She's yeah, real. Yeah. She's just, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I was actually. She's, she's full on. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, so I read and now I've done a little bit of research and I want to get to it for sure about this because I find it so interesting. Sorry. I've just abandoned my burger because I ate it so quickly because I've been starving. And um, my dog is. He's doing this thing where he's like ducking his little eyeballs up to look at the plate, just hoping there's a little scrap left. Poor boy. I'm sorry. I ate it all. Um, I actually thought I read the revised one because to go by, so at the very first, very first um, line yes. in the book, it does say Nancy Drew, an attractive girl of 18. And now I thought she was. You have. I thought she was aged up. From 16, so I'd assume yes. I'd read an updated one, but I, well, I haven't. Well, that's great. We'll have a good conversation then because, yeah, I've sorry, I thought I'd got you that one. Yeah. <laughs> so we've read two 
That's awesome. All right. This is going to be a really good chat. Um, Because I'll give you my first line. Yeah, go ahead. It's dialogue from Nancy. It would be a shame if all that money went to the Tophams. They'll fly (laughs) higher than ever. Nancy drew a pretty girl of 16, leaned over the library table and addressed her father who sat reading the newspaper by the study lamp. And this becomes a book of revenge of Nancy against the Tophams. Like she hates them. That's so that's so that's so funny. So I've read the same book, but I no. have read the revised uh you know made for the Disney Plus audience sort of book. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. The, you have the warty ugly Nancy Drew. This is going to be a good chat. <laughs> You've got the finishing finishing school Nancy Drew. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So um just to go back cuz I want to get a bit of a snapshot as to why um actually do you mind if we just chat very very quickly? Mm-hmm. I I have I've worked a full day of work as a high school teacher and then I got home, I ran for 15 minutes, I helped my son Charlie with his homework, we went straight to football training where we've been until 6.15, I got home, I made this burger and I sat down and now we're recording. This is all my way and also why I'm wearing this really ugly shirt which I apologise for. Um, it, was a, it was the parents versus the kids, it was called the Masters match. Ah, yeah, yeah. So we slaughtered the kids, of course. Um, they won in the end, but it was just the coach was siding with the kids, let's be honest. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to start just because this is my own curiosity. You also have a family. You also, I believe, like is writing the thing you do full time or do you have a do you have a day job as well? And then I guess my question is how do you balance like being a human adult with a family and then, you know, focusing on 30 different things to do every day. I don't know. I just, and I mean, you've yeah. been on lockdown too. So that's been a very different sort of kettle of fish. Yeah. So I, I co-parent. So we are part of, I'm part of a rainbow family. We yep. are three households. So it's getting a little bit more fluid now um, in terms of the kids are now 13 and 14. Um, So I have my daughters overnight during the week, a bit more than I used to. Um, So I have those periods where I don't have the children. Right. Okay. So you've got Um, little little nooks to sort of fit in. Yes. Yeah. So like I had them last weekend, but this weekend they're with one of their mums. Um, So that's when I'm really trying to double down on writing. At the moment I am writing um, full time um that's wonderful that's so good man yeah no look it's excellent um probably post september uh just because i've got a couple of deadlines um before then uh i might look at doing some like consulting or short-term project work so before before this i was working in international education obviously with the world we're in at the moment yeah. it's a world of pain for international education but I was okay. working within universities so I am looking to do a little bit just to supplement income really um, but the pendulum has has fully swung obviously when I started you know giving writing a good crack um, I was working full-time and then doing that and then you've got the kids and honestly I spoke about it on um James and Ashley stay at home, their podcast about health. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, look, ultimately my health suffered because you're burning the candle at 
so many ends. Like not yeah, just exactly. Yeah. So, so it's been good just to have this break to be able to, to just double down on writing. Um, yeah. Because as, as, as you know, it's such a long pipeline, what we do. Um, yes, that's so, a, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's sort of how I do it. When I have the kids, you know, I'm trying to be as present as possible. And, and you're right. I mean, you are, as a parent, you're running around, you're doing all the things. Um, so, and they're all good. Like, they're all good things. Like, oh, sometimes, when, sometimes when we talk about, like, the, the kids in the family and however we're doing things, it can be, it can sound quite negative. It's, it's certainly not like no. I, I loved footy training. It was the best time. Yeah. It's, but a, like, it's a privilege, right? It's a huge privilege, but yeah. it's it, it is something that's exhausting at the same time as it is yeah. great and, for and me and it's great for the kids. And um, it takes the and it takes that time, uh, you know. It, yeah. it does. It takes time, but it's time you want to spend. But it is time that you're not, you know, obviously using in in your creative writing. But to say that, you know, you still. I think you're a writer 24-7, right? You're, you're yeah. always picking up ideas, you're hearing snatches of conversation, you're thinking about your story, whatever. Like, that still sort of continues. Yeah, know? I know, I agree. I just, I feel like sometimes, I feel like sometimes I'm becoming an expert in, sometimes in things, like I'm spending hours doing tasks that I have to do just to live or help other yeah. people who I'm responsible for live. Um and I become like, that's my focus. And so then when it's time to actually focus attention on writing, I'm so depleted from doing all these other things. At the same time, it can be really calcifying and like it can make you, I think it can refine you. It can make you like attack it when you do get yeah. the time. Um, but it is, it is, if I'm being honest, it's something I'm struggling with at the moment. Like just... Yeah. At the moment, if I wanted to write, I would have to get up at 4.30 and I'm just... Yeah, it's not sustainable. <laughs> or it's at the end of the day and I'm just completely exhausted and just want to flop yeah. on the couch at 8 o'clock, you know, once the kids are in bed. Yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, anyway, so sorry, I just wanted to sort of also explain my ratty shirt with the paint on it and things like that. <laughs> um... No, no. <laughs> I, no, but I totally get it. And that's why when I was doing the full-time and the writing, it was... I don't know how I did it for so long. And so hats off to everyone who does that. Me, I don't know. Like I've written some books now. I don't know how I don't know how I did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where did they come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad I did that because I don't know whether I would have the motivation to start running up the hill now. You know? <laughs> oh gosh. Writing is like that sometimes though. Hey, it's like it's nice. It's nice having done it. I do enjoy doing it sometimes. But yeah. I really like having written something. That's that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I do have a beer as well. Um, I wanted to show you this beer because I thought it was quite funny. So everyone in the podcast land at home, listen, this is me opening a beer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to spill it on the laptop now. But have a look at this beer. So when I started... This podcast, Al I saw Jefe. Al Jefe Mexican Lager, and on the on the can, it's by Ether Brewing. It's a, I think it's a Brisbane company, right. um, but it has like a Mexican bandito, and he's sort of got a cigar and there's smoke billowing out. And I like his hat. Yeah, me too. And 
I thought when I started this podcast that I would find beers that suited the book, like, you know, like a theme. So, and I was just like, this is the exact opposite of Nancy Drew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially the Nancy Drew that I read. Yes. So wholesome and good and kind. Yeah. And this beer yeah. is very... Um, That's probably more first edition Nancy Drew. <laughs> I've got a first edition Nancy beer. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So I would like to talk now, obviously, Nancy Drew has had a massive impact on you um, with the Nancy's and Nancy business. Um, your first two books yeah. have been released and now they have a big, a big thematic center. Even the title is taken from Nancy Drew. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the impact of these books on your writing, on who you are and like maybe when you when you found them, like I assume it was when you were a younger man. Well, that's, yeah, that's um, the interesting thing. So I did read um, my sister's, like she had um, a couple of Nancy Drew books. I Like I was a voracious reader, I read anything um, and everything. Um, but it wasn't until I was thinking about when when I was decided I wanted to write a murder mystery and that's when Tippy, my, my child protagonist, her voice came in and... And then I was discovering her uncle and his boyfriend. And so they're the, the trio of amateur yeah. detectives. And what I wanted for Tippy was a role model, a female role model, um, because I wanted her to come to, like, she had to have a drive to want to solve a mystery. Yeah. She, I wanted her to have some kind of, I say role model, but also some kind of frame of reference about how to solve a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's not something so then, you would go to, like, you wouldn't go to mum and say, hey, I'm trying to investigate a murder, can you help me? <laughs> exactly. And it's yeah. also something I think you either you either have a passion for or you don't. I don't think you wake up one day and go, oh, I, I want to solve my um, school teacher's murder when you've never been interested in any kind of yeah. mysteries or true crime or anything. Sure, so, yeah. so what drew me to Nancy Drew was the early Nancy, um, but also her longevity in terms of intergenerational. So what it meant was then her uncle could have grown up reading Nancy Drew and then passed those books on, and that's what Tippy's read, to then for them to, to then be able to have a shared language when it came to um, trying to solve mysteries. Mm. So... So that's where it sort of started. And then... Um, no, sorry, can I just pause you? Like when you came up with that, was that sort of one of those days as a writer where you just sort of, you just quit for the day because it's not going to get better than that that day? Like <laughs> good idea. Did you just retire I, I, the day? I, I, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the exploratory, so this was 2006. The exploratory thing um, for the Nancys just seemed so organic. And yeah. it was, honestly, it was just like following a thread. And so looking back on it now, I'm like, fuck. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it just all seemed to fit in place. Um, That's so cool when that happens like that. Like, oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And like you're saying, yeah, just, you know, tools down. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a good couple of months off. Like I've, I've done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've written I, today. Mm, that right. It was ten years later that I started to write. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
decade um, off. Just yeah, that yeah, was just that good. Decade. That revelation yeah. was that good. It made, it made you retire for 10 years. Yeah. 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 Um, so then it was not reverse engineering, but it was me, I guess, rediscovering Nancy Drew and starting to really look at this character that I hadn't looked at um, since right. I was a kid. So, really? so, okay, so I, I, so I'd assumed from reading, um, from reading your books that it, the love of Nancy Drew must have been something, because I remember reading, um, for me, it was Famous Five as a kid, yeah. and I devoured Famous Five. I read every single book. Um, I forget how many there are. I was like 21 or something, and I read them all, and I loved them. I giggled every time um, Aunt Fanny came into the, the scene. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but like, if I were to write something like that, that would be a childhood thing. But for you, it was sort of like you were familiar with it, but then it was sort of born out of your, your writing. I mean, I find that really interesting. Yeah. So then it was, um, really coming to it from trying to come to it from my protagonist's uh, love of, of Nancy Drew and also her uncle's love of it. So, um, but yeah, the more I sort of dug into it, like it's such a rich, rich history um, behind Nancy Drew and she's so iconic. And then learning about the different iterations and then that's when I started looking at the sort of 1930s Nancy and this was because of what my characters are doing, um, which, you know, as babysitters are completely irresponsible and, and you know, to be wanting to solve a murder and, you know, what I, it was just kind of pretty left of centre. And so to have this character that just was doing her own thing, had a car, you know, was just asking, getting all this confidential information from her father. You know, yes. Before privacy law, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um it was just fantastic. It was like, okay, this is this is who we're going to emulate here. This is, yeah, this is yeah. Sort of, it's, it, it makes it yeah because, like you say, it, it is a pretty outlandish to have a, a child protagonist investigating a murder, but yeah. you do make it way more grounded and believable because you're not making this big jump from my reality to that reality. You've already you're like, well, Nancy Drew did most of this. Yes. Staging yeah. it down a little bit and there's just a little yeah. bit of modernising. Yeah, it's yeah. clever, man. Um, oh, I had a question for you too. Uh, just I had a quote here from a New York Times article which I really like because I wanted to talk to you about why Nancy Drew is still around. You know, she's been around as long or longer, I think, than James Bond. Like she is has some staying power. Yeah. Um, so this quote says... She's a force for good, unafraid to speak up, unafraid to challenge authority. And then she goes on to say, because this author wrote the book called Girl Sleuth, Nancy Drew and the Women Who Created Her. Um, never out of print, she has appeared in more than 250 books in movies, on television shows. I think the last one was in 2019 and they sort of put like a supernatural vibe in there. Yeah. And in games, like she's on video games. Um so she can see sort of this character who seems to be like her core essence is something that can tr like almost transcend um, culture and like you place her in the culture and then you sort of her world gets created around who she is. But 
the core values stay the same. And I was just wondering what you thought about like why people still engage with Nancy Drew all these years later. Well, yeah, I think it's absolutely um, that thing around, again, speaking truth to power. Um, and this is why, like, particularly, you know, when Nancy Drew came out in 1930, and here was an independent young woman doing her own thing, mm. her domestic duties in the book, like her father credits her with running the house. And running the house is giving instructions to a housekeeper, but that's, yep. that was running the house in the day. Yep. Um, but not only is she, you know, she's she was doing the um, social conventions of the time, like she was, you know, had the dresses and she was going to the balls and doing all of that, yet she could, you know, drive a boat and drive a car and go around places on her own, unaccompanied. Um, she had the trust of her father and her father treated her, I wouldn't say as an equal, but yeah. close to, like a, like he collaborated with her. Um, he relied on her too, sort of, right? Yeah, yeah. and he wasn't, he wasn't um, patronising her or saying you can't do that because you're a girl. You know, there's none of that kind of, so it was it was pretty remarkable, and uh, so Mildred A. Wirt um, mm. was the ghostwriter uh, for the original Nancy Drew. So mm. it's really her vision. Um, so she was writing under Carolyn Keane, and she um, yeah, signed no, away. Signed I had away. no idea about this. Like when I read this, and then it wasn't until I started to look it up, I was like, oh, okay, Carolyn Keane's not an actual person. Mm, yeah, so, so so there's been different ghostwriters, obviously, over the years, but it was Mildred who said um, she didn't want, when she was coming up with Nancy Drew, she had some sketches. Basically, I think it was Edward Statmeyer who said he wanted a female version, a female series that's going to be, um, yeah. you know, a companion with the Hardy Boys. Yeah, because he, he'd come up with the Hardy Boys, yeah. but he didn't have enough enough of the moolah and so he wanted to press into the the opposite um the female um, market yes. so he created nancy drew to sort of rival the hardy boys yeah absolutely and so then so yeah so suddenly you know there's this character who's kind of you know she was glamorous she was likable in a way um <laughs> well, well yeah. it's just it's funny because your like your version must be because she's nothing but likable in my copy I've, I've got some i've got some bits to read out at some stage yes i'm so glad because yeah because the, the so yeah so just to make it very clear and, and rob did mention it before she was written in the 1930s but there were a lot of cultural problems and like even in a 30-year span to when it was the 1950s where that was rewritten again um yeah. they looked back and even then they were like geez this was a bit racist this was a bit bit risque yeah. in a few areas and they sort of made it way more wholesome and so the nancy drew that i've read had she doesn't put a single foot wrong there's not a word she says that's unkind um there's actually a scene where she's asked to play, I think it's Bad Minton with this little girl who she rescues, who falls off a cliff or something, and she rescues this little girl, Judy. Yeah. And Judy instantly falls in love with her and wants to be her best friend. And she says, can you come and play Bad Minton with me? And Nancy says, well, I'm actually in the middle of investigating this really important thing, but of course I'll spend 
an hour with you playing. Like she does. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't put a Which single. Which is really interesting because Judy doesn't. There's no Judy in this one. Oh, um, okay. So, so so Judy was written in. I don't know whether Judy's written in just to you know make her. You know, like rescuing a kitten up a tree or what? Um, well, she was, so she was written in. Yeah, so probably, but then that introduces the two aunties and the aunties are the first people we learn the about the will from uh, and they need the money so they can continue to care for poor Judy um, who has been very sadly orphaned. Um, yeah. But the person who did the rewrites I also read was actually um, the creator's Edward Stratmire. It was his daughter, right? Harriet. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. And yeah. so she aged her up. Is that just so she could drive that iconic car that she has in the one that I read? I just think when it came to um, 56 that, yeah, I've, I guess um, maybe kids in America were staying at school longer. Um, mm. You know, I think the the teenage thing had happened by then or was happening, whereas back in the 1930s, it was just young women and yeah. you know, kids and then young women. So I think it was that cultural change. And right, it, so it just seemed it. a bit risque to have a 16-year-old young, you know, teenager hanging around and not going to school. Perhaps, I don't know. But yeah, that might be it. Feeling. Um, there was this really interesting scene, and sorry, I, I want to get let you get to um, reading yeah. a few things. There's this really interesting scene because this article I was reading about Nancy as a feminist icon, yeah. it did point out a few of the ways in which she was awesome. And there was this particular scene where Nancy gets trapped in a closet yes. and yeah. she instantly starts to panic. And this writer said that back in, you know, the 1950s, it was sort of seen that, you know, women were, I mean, this just sounds terrible. I don't even like saying this and putting words into other people's mouths, but mm-hmm. women were overly emotional and they couldn't keep a level head and, you know, those sorts of really awful stereotypes. But in the book, she starts to panic and then she sort of focuses. Yeah. And um, there was actually a police officer in a rather, a little bit of a condescending way actually says to her, not many girls would have used their wits the way that you did, Nancy. <laughs> which is sort yeah. of, which is sort of good, but yeah, also, you, uh, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean like it's yeah. yeah. So in the nineteen in the nineteen thirties one, um, she does the same, and I think it's great because of course you'd panic. You've just basically. I would panic. I would yeah. panic if I was chucked into a closet by some evil bad guys. Well, and you've just. Um, pretty much avoided sexual assault or worse. Yeah. yeah. You're in a you've been shoved in a closet in the middle of nowhere and locked. You're locked in there in the dark. No one knows I'm there. Yes. Yeah. So fair enough. Panic away. And then but panic. what I love is then, like you say, then she she forces herself to calm and then she starts being resourceful. Like she starts bashing it and starts to think, okay, I need to use my wits to get out of here. Mm. Um and then it's right towards the end. She's actually on her way of getting out because she's like prizing off the hinges when the caretaker comes. And now the caretaker, and this is super problematic, but I believe in the one you've read, he's a hillbilly. Yeah. Which is still, so, you know. I read, I read that their solution, 
their solution to the problem of the racism that was in, I think, the copy that you have, yeah. um, their solution was to just erase black people entirely. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is white, which is whitewashing, which is, you know, exactly. It's a whole other host of problems. So, yeah, every single uh, moment that there's, there was a black character is now uh, a white character. To say what also was interesting in the, in the 30s one is because it's the depression, is the level of poverty. So, right. she's going to houses where there's no food, that people don't have money more than once, you know, and this is, not like she she feels bad and she goes and gets some groceries and things but it's also it's not overly shocking to her so it feels like this is kind of a regular occurrence of what goes on going mm. on in this time which is really interesting and i guess the Topham sisters too <laughs> are so wealthy right and i guess back in in the depression era where so people so many people had so little it would yes. have made their wealth even more obnoxious right yeah absolutely well and the way um that they carry they carry themselves as uh <laughs> yeah i'm just laughing because um uh, i've got do you want me to read out a few yeah yeah go ahead <laughs> love you too so the top ones just for the listeners at home are two uh young women around the same age as nancy um for some reason, Nancy hates them um, because she thinks they're stuck up, is pretty much. But this is right from the beginning. But um, towards the end, this just shows um, the Nancy Drew that, that I read. Yeah. Um, here's a quote. Oh, what a surprise the Tophams are going to get, she chuckled softly. And this is when she finds a will that they're basically going to lose all their money, uh, this inheritance that they were after. So, so my Nancy, my Nancy, my dear Nancy, she wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have taken such delight and glee in anyone's downfall. <laughs> but wait, there's more. If the will does prove to be legal, won't it be a blow for the toppings? I'd give a lot to see how they'll take it. I think it would be a splendid idea to call a meeting of all the relatives and read the will aloud. So funny. And then the final one is... You can almost hear her uh, you chuckle, right? You can almost... Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the final final one, after they've read the will, the Tophams are just destroyed, basically. Yeah. Uh, Nancy to her dad. Yes, wasn't it funny to watch their faces when they learned they were cut off without a cent? And so she spent this whole book just trying to ruin this family, pretty much. <laughs> so funny. Um, there is a bit of that. In the version that I read, there is a bit of that. But they, I mean, they they still come across as being extremely unlikable. Yes. yes. So we still really, really don't like them. But Nancy, I think, is a little bit less malicious. <laughs> and gloating, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Won't it be great? When these people <laughs> enter poverty. Mm. <laughs> we'll see them destroyed. I do have to say, like, it was it was actually kind of nice to, when I was reading this book, there was just, because I I'm a, I'm, I really love uh, areas of grey and I love books that make me sympathise with people I don't like. 
and yeah. people or not like people that I normally would. I like where there's you understand people who maybe are so different. I think that's what books do really well. Yeah. But it was actually kind of nice to read a book where the bad guys are just you hate you don't like them. They're terrible. And there's no yeah, there's no redeeming there's this quote that I had from the the Topham sisters and it says, um, Ada and Isabel had been unpopular in high school. They had talked incessantly of money and social position, making themselves very obnoxious to the other students. <laughs> yeah. And you know, being a being a high school teacher, I just thought that was very funny. How well, do they a- constantly talk about all their money and their social class? Like, isn't that what Instagram <laughs> it kind of in TikTok, like, isn't that what that is? <laughs> yeah. And that was that was the same for me. Like, I was reading this right from the beginning, and she's just like, I hate these people. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, it's gonna be interesting watching the character. Okay, yeah, for sure. Flat line, she's <laughs> consistent the whole way through. There's no arc. <laughs> it's like, that no, actually, that's a good point when you think about it. Like, Nancy Drew. Like the Nancy, I don't know if it's different for you, but she is the same throughout the whole book. And I guess she's kind of like James Bond, like that. Yes. She starts off this way, she ends the exact same way because she's already ideal at the start, ideal in quotation marks, but she's already ideal at the start. So she doesn't have any room for character development because she's already kind of yeah. perfect. And because they were doing it as a, it was like a, uh, originated to be a series as well. So I'm wondering how much that influenced it as well. But you're absolutely right. Like, um, so with the Nancys and Nancy Business, uh, there's uh, in America, Jen Fisher, and she is like a, I don't know, foremost Nancy Drewologist. And so I consulted with her um, for a couple of points around um, Nancy Drew for my books, and um, and she consults on uh, movies and and TV as well. Um, and she's fantastic. So she's got a great sort of resource yeah. of uh, material. And so I asked her about Nancy and her mother because Nancy Drew's mother. Uh, when Nancy Drew starts, she's she died when she was ten, and later yeah. when they revised it, they made it three. Um, and yeah, it's just never really Nancy never really delves into it. It's never really discussed. Um, there's one book where they mention she died of a sudden illness, and that's about it. So wow. yeah, yeah, which I thought was really interesting because it's just like yeah, no, it is really interesting. Yeah that they never went into it too, because that is sort of a place that you could delve into and actually do something. Absolutely. And and her relationship with her father because of it and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess at the end, I mean, you you read it and it is very, um, it is very surface level. Like it doesn't go very deep into, it doesn't go deep into Nancy and why she's doing what she's doing. It's just very much like she's just doing it because she's the best person in the whole world. And she's just doing it because she's brave and strong and kind and generous. And, you know, she's just, that's who she is. And she doesn't have any sort of motivator. Yeah. (laughs) Your version beyond hatred. (laughs) Well, yes. And I like this. Um, so the other thing is around her, uh, around Nancy Drew and authority, which I love, because she's kind of, 
like in this version with the police, she's like following them when they're on their chase and like she's basically collaborating with them and for some reason they're, they're going with it. But also she she steals the clock, right? That's so, still in my version. She does that too. She yeah. steals the clock. But I think I think it's a little different in yours where she maybe doesn't return it or something. In mine, she ends up returning yeah. it. Yeah. So the police are like, you know, she's she she steals the clock off the burglars and um, and then she's got it in her car with a blanket over it, and the deputies are there. And then so then it's got Nancy smiled and thought of the clock, which at that moment was hidden under a blanket in her car less than a dozen yards away. So this is thinking, yeah, sweet, I got away with it. Um, and then... Maybe I'll uh, see it on the black market. Mm. And then she ends up having to give one of the, the policemen a, a ride into town. So she's a little bit nervous. She's got the clock, the stolen goods in the back, and then he gets out. And then she says to herself, that was a narrow escape. She laughed as she drove away. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like. I kind of like that though. Like, I like. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. This is the Nancy I love. I just think it's so. Well, I was. I said. I was going to say to you. Like, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed how wholesome she was. Like the the version I read. I liked that she was just this pure person, and that everything she did, I found so winning. And it was actually interesting to read a character who is painted in such a way that you can't do anything except root for her. It made the journey of the book, like every step I was like, yes, go Nancy. You know, I was excited to see what she would do. It made it an easy book to enjoy, I guess. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think, you know, this is these books and obviously the Hardy boys and back then, but this was sort of the start of cliffhangers and, you know, every chapter is nearly a cliffhanger, right? Which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you've got the mystery to to follow and find out what's going on. And I actually yeah. thought the mystery was going to be a bit more complicated. I think I'm a bit used, too used to reading modern. Yeah. At the start of my version, right, there are these thieves that break into this auntie, the auntie's house to steal a bunch of their stuff, and the thieves come back in later. Um, they figure in the plot later, and when they when they were mentioned again, like this other thread, I thought, ah, I bet you the Topham sisters have somehow found these thieves and got them under the guise of thievery to go into the auntie's house. And that's where he'd secretly hidden the will. And they were going to bring up all these other little twists and turns, but no. nope, they were just thieves. <laughs> they just happened to steal the clock with the will in it. Um, yeah. Which is fine, but I just I'd expected it to be quite twisty and complicated, but it ended up just being very straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Yes, a lot of interviewing, which was nice. Interviewing, um, yeah, and yeah. She ended up helping out quite a few people. Yes, um, which was nice as well. Having some nice, she had waffles. Um, you know, <laughs> whether she had waffles in this, I mean, she had. She had the like. She had the 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 aunties, and then she had the two sisters who were poor. Oh and yes, they yeah. couldn't afford. In my version, they couldn't afford singing lessons. Oh, see, and and this one, it was getting close to not being able to afford to eat. So 
Oh, that's much more severe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then their chickens died, and I thought, okay, here we go. There's some subplot here. Um, but it's death, yeah. No, no, the chickens have just had died. Oh. Like a lot, a lot of chickens died, and I was just like, well, what's going oh. on here? Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any death in my version. In mine, they just want yeah. singing lessons, and there's this wonderful moment where she takes this beautiful sister who is very poor, and she takes her yeah. to see. Of course, Nancy has a connection with a, a famous Italian uh, singing trainer, and she organizes a meeting, and then the, she goes and auditions, and he says, well, look, I don't know whether I would only take the best students. You know, I don't know. And, yeah. um, of course, the sister goes in and just completely floors him with her immaculate singing voice, and uh, he is leaping off the piano saying, oh, bellissimo, you know, this <laughs> this thing is so amazing and I will reduce yeah. my fee for to half price. Thank you, Nancy. And um, <laughs> Nancy kind of rescues her. Yeah. And then there's, the, there's the older uncles who were, a, were had a thing for the aunties, I think, and she also gets their money as well. All right. so they can go traveling. They wanted to go traveling and they were stuck where they were because they didn't have any money from the will. And yeah, there's wow. just they yeah, have see, series of people that Nancy personally touches on an emotional level and she also helps financially, which makes yeah, me. Yeah, so we had the poor, we had the poor sisters who were neighbors of Joshua um, with Josiah. Or what Josiah, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then his nephews, I think. Nephew. And then there was an um, elderly woman. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there was an elderly woman who is renamed Abby in your version, but she's an elderly woman who Nancy finds um, nearly starving to death because she's broken her ankle, has no food, and no one. If Nancy hadn't called on her, she would have died. That actually, so, that's the same. That happens in this version uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, extreme. Yeah, so she's had a fall or something and she can't get up yes. and she's been there all night, which is actually very tragic. And then on the yeah, way out, Nancy... Yeah, it is. And then on the way out, Nancy talks to her neighbour and says, do you mind going to help her? And, of course, the neighbour says, oh, I'd never realised. And then the next time she's there, the neighbour has mown the lawns and plucked the flowers and has made a dinner and started to be a full-time carer for her, which is very nice. <laughs> Good on you, Nancy. Um, All thanks uh, to Nancy, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I can read this one out, Ben, but it's just what what I love about um, Nancy and her father's relationship. Yeah. So this is after uh, Nancy comes back from her massive journey of being locked in a cupboard and, you know, finding the notebook and everything. Uh, this is from Carson Drew. No, I'm proud of what you've done, Nancy. I couldn't have done better myself, perhaps not so well. You took a real risk when you encountered those robbers, but so long as you're back home safe and sound, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like fantastic. He's just giving her her own agency to yeah. just go for it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, as long as you come home alive, that's that's great. I, when I was reading that bit, I, like, I'm so glad I was reading Nancy Drew because I thought it could go so terrible. Oh, same, same, same. same. same Absolutely. Yes. That, that ab abandoned house, there's those horrible men there 
Absolutely. I was actually really worried. I was, I was worried too. Like, so, so the people at home, so she goes to this abandoned house to search for this, this clock, which she knows the will is inside this clock. So she needs the clock. And as she goes in there, she realizes that the robbers, the thieves have been there and have stolen a bunch, but she still goes in and has a look around. Yeah. Then the thieves come back and they actually catch her and drag her into a closet and lock her in the closet. But as that's obviously, that's a very yeah. risky situation. I thought just being much more familiar with modern crime novels, I thought it was going to go really pear-shaped really quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're reading yeah. Nancy Drew, so we were we were in Disney Plus and we were safe. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk really quickly, because we have mentioned it. Um, I won't get you to read any of it, obviously, but do you want to just talk about, in your version, the, the racism? Because I just read, I've read about it, but obviously yeah. that's not in that's not in the version that I read. They sort of they ended up whitewashing it, so that was removed. Yeah. So um, the caretaker, uh, the caretaker of the holiday home, which gets burgled, um, is the only black character, and it's a just a absolute racial stereotype. Um, and also it's uh, with the, you know, when speech is written with the, yeah. you know, dialect. Yeah. So really like the type, the type of dialect that makes the person saying it seem infantilized, right? So it makes oh. them seem really stupid. Yeah. 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 And just playing with like really pretty uh, terrible um uh, racial stereotypes. I really don't want to go into it too much, but it's, um, yeah. But it is interesting that when they revised it, they just completely whitewashed it rather than actually having a, you know, a black character. Who um, yeah, could be based in a type of reality or has their own agency yes, and absolutely. not an awful stereotype. Yeah. 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 No, it was, whoa, yeah, it was, it was bad, really bad. Yeah. It's, re it's, re it's really interesting, though, like this is still a book, obviously, that you you still enjoy. And, you know, obviously, we're talking as as readers, but there is a way like you can read this type of book and sort of look at this part and you go, oh, we've come a, a fair way since this type of attitude. Like, obviously, that's that's nearly 100 years ago now. Um, yeah. Hopefully, okay. we've progressed a little bit. Well, I think I can read it. I'm a white person. I think I can read it, though, knowing the publishers have addressed it and have revised mm. it. Yeah. And absolutely looking at it and going, this is really problematic. Um, so they're not, still, they're not still publishing that version that you have, right? No, not at all. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. And they haven't since 56, right? Yeah, so, okay. So, so yeah, so the, the thing that I'm interested in in it, obviously, is around... Nancy's character. Yeah. But all those other things, no, I mean, they're unacceptable. They're completely problematic. And yeah. The fact that, yeah, the publishers got onto it and have revised it and worked on it and continue to revise and work on it, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I guess that, that, like you say, that's really important too because if it had never been addressed and it was still published today, it would oh, be. It just wouldn't. Like, yeah, exactly. It would just. It wouldn't. Be... And, and then, like, yeah. if the publishing company was making money off a type of 
negative oh, perpetuating a, a yeah. racial racial stereotype. Absolutely, no, that's just no. But yeah, it's it's a it's also interesting in terms of that time and place um, with the depression and you know I guess seeing middle Midwest America, mm. you know, and just ha- the yeah the the huge gap but i guess we've got that still right um between yeah yeah but i think that you know hopefully you know because we can now talk about these sort of subjects with hopefully a little bit more understanding and that we can look back on this and say no that's not right that's unacceptable oh absolutely i think that's a really good thing um i guess it's just a bit um, terrible that it's we're not f- further down the road, I guess, especially considering again it's a hundred years. Yeah, um, uh, yes, yeah. I mean, there are you know those things ar- around class and stuff which are still around um, for sure. Yeah, and um, gender equality as well. Um, yeah. Like you say, or like I pointed out with the cops, you know while Nancy has all this agency and she's independent and feisty and we love her and she's kind and all these sorts of things, there is a type of condescension, I guess, from the world of men in the book, even from her father, right? He loves her and adores her, but at the same time, he sort of goes, oh, that's good on you, little Nancy. You know, there's this sort of, yeah. oh, isn't that adorable? Little Nancy's doing a little adventure, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Yes, yeah, and and that's sort of what she's up against, really. And I think you know, I wonder if Mildred's written it because of that. And it's almost like well, this is what you know, even a, a woman with agency is up against this bullshit all the time. And with, and I think that's the interesting thing with the police and a lot of Nancy Drew and the early ones as well are kind of incompetent, right? There's these men who are, you know, Nancy's actually, yeah doing their job effectively yeah Uh, yeah that's an interesting point that's an interesting point um yeah the the police in there don't really have much of a presence and then when they do they're sort of following nancy like she's the one racing away i think they went down this way and they go down there oh the 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 young girl is right of course let's follow this little (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um it's i found it really interesting that um that Edward Stratemeyer first came up with, I think you said the first, the plot for the first three books and sort of the, the basics, right? She, he just came up with like a, a design document. Here's the plot. Here's this character. And then yeah. I read that he paid Mildred, it was like $150 or something like that per book. And she ghost wrote the books. Yeah. But then because it was under the name Carolyn Keene, she yeah. was sort of went under the radar and absolutely what do you what do you think of that and like it's a it's a it seems a bit dicey that there was this man who came up with this female character to appeal to females like it almost feels a little insidious and well, then is- then paid a person to sort of ghostwrite it and paid her i mean i imagine back then it was a little bit but it's not, mm. it's not what he would have made off these books well, I think the, the the sad thing was, you know, she signed away any kind of rights to anything in the future if if the books did really well. 
Um, and it's only now that she's kind of um, uh, being honoured and, yeah. you know, recognised as the creator. I saw, um, I don't know if it was through, it was online, you know, when I was looking up the secret um, of the old clock and there's actually her name under, uh, yeah, instead of Carolyn King. Really? Um, oh, okay. On on some version there was, and it was like, right. fantastic. Like this is, yeah, this is right and this is what giving credit to the person who did the job yeah, right? because because she she created yes she got given the brief but it's her who breathed life and gave gave Nancy Drew to the world really like as in the character that we now know as Nancy yeah. Drew yeah so the, um, the ethics on that do seem pretty, pretty well then, like, then um it's almost then like it's, stealing the her work you know well, uh, yeah, but I guess that's just what they did, you know, with ghostwriters back then. Yeah. Um, but then Mildred pulled out um, after seven books because I think they were going to cut the way, the, they were cutting the wage of the ghostwriter. Oh. So she said, nah. And then they got a man in and he did a couple of volumes, but part of the Carolyn Keane thing was you had to it was like fight club you know you don't talk about Carolyn no one talks King. about yeah 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 and he he um he basically was saying I'm Carolyn King and so then they got rid of him and then got Mildred back in so but yeah she's getting a lot lot more um recognition now for for her writing and for for what she did with Nancy Drew, which awesome. is fantastic, as it should be. Yeah, I guess it's just. Um, I think she passed away in the nineteen eighties, so hopefully she had a little bit of the recognition before um, she passed away. I suppose, hey. Well, yeah, because there was a quite a large court case, and she ended up having to speak at it, and that was when it was basically that was her sort of. Um, public exoneration in terms of she she wrote these books um yeah which is interesting because I look until until I started looking at Nancy Drew with the Nancys I thought Carolyn Keane was a person as well I didn't realize about the ghost writing or yeah. any of that stuff yeah um I posted on Instagram I posted a picture of your book and um uh, Jack Bell um who's an author from Brisbane, he 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 um he wrote a comment on the post and he said, Oh, you're gonna interview Carolyn Keane. And I'm really glad I didn't respond because I would have been like, Oh yeah, but she's probably, you know, but I had no clue that she doesn't exist. I had no clue. I thought yeah. that she was the author and that's who I'd read. But yeah. And there's yeah, and she's there's still books like what was this, you know, in this this quote I said at the start, two hundred and fifty books? Does that sound right? That seems like a lot. Well, because there's different series. So right. you've got your sort of traditional um, Nancy Drew series, like the originals, but then there was a whole, like there's a subset which is for younger readers. Um, yeah, it's basically like Words and Nerds podcast. It's got all these different subsets now. <laughs> yep. Gladly part <laughs> of the Words and Nerds family. Thank you, Danny. For having me as one, I am 
I am the Nancy Drew. Or what am I? I'm one of the subgenres of Nancy Drew. I'm the after hours <laughs> weird thing that happens, hey? The <laughs> <laughs> so slightly edgy, slightly edgy with my Mexican. <laughs> Um, all right. So I think, I mean, are there any other thoughts you had? Like, I'm pretty happy with, with what we've talked about there. I really am glad that I read this. Like, it was so cool to go into the history and then how it's shaped and changed and sort of reflected culture, but also pushed things. Like, it was a really cool yeah. read. I'm so glad that we've read it. I mean, yeah. is there anything else you wanted to add about Nancy Drew? Um, no, I just hope that she, I mean, this is the interesting thing, like you mentioned right at the beginning, you know, she's across all platforms now. Um, she, there's a real love in the gaming community, you know, for her game, like there's a whole sort of community around I had, that. I yeah. had a look, it's like a point and click sort of detective sleuthy. Yeah, yeah. Like so, a really cool one of those old like point and click adventure games. Yeah. Yeah, so look, you know, here's, here's hoping we see more iterations of, of her as our culture progresses. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thanks so much, man. I really do appreciate you being here on um, the first night after post-lockdown post for you guys, although I think it's eased a little bit, right? It hasn't completely gone. Yeah, no, look, it's, um, it's, we're, we're incredibly grateful and, you know, lots of love to sydney and new south wales really yeah absolutely absolutely yeah unfortunately you know obviously when this comes out they'll still be there so yeah much love yeah. to those guys there um doing it tough and hopefully this podcast was a nice little thing for them to do but um if you guys i would love to hear from anyone in the audience who has read this or has picked this book up the secret of the old clock um and which version you read and then what you guys make of nancy drew as well um the book has that beautiful smell. Like, you know, those old. Yeah. Has yours got pictures? Yes. It has got yeah. pictures. Yes. Yeah. But like my dad, I remember when I was a kid. Yes. Yeah. I've got the same pictures, I think. Yeah. yeah. So here's one of mine. Nancy reported what had taken place at the Topham's cottage. Um, oh. But my dad, when I was a kid, he used to, every single time he found a book, he would pick it up and he'd stick his nose all the way in the spine. Oh, yeah. Dad, what are you doing, you blooming weirdo? <laughs> Stop sniffing that book, Dad. He's like, oh, I smell. It's like, it's like knowledge. <laughs> I do it. I do it all the time now. It still freaks my kids out. What I picked up from him, I guess. Um, thanks, man. And like anyone else Thank listening you. as well, I would super love to hear too. Pick up um, Rob's books, RWR, McDonald, Nancy Business and the Nancy's um, really cool crime spunky funny really fun series so um please make sure you do get those books and have a read and please uh yeah let us know what you think of everything we've chatted about today so yeah thanks man and i guess i uh, hopefully we'll see you in the flesh soonish yeah thanks ben